Have you ever been asked to do something that you were unfamiliar with? Perhaps you were asked to prepare a meal or bake a cake that you hadn't before. Or maybe you've been asked to play a game that you didn't know any of the rules to. In either case, you may feel uncomfortable, awkward, uncertain, or perhaps just wanting to avoid engaging in the task altogether. Growing up, I had a lot of different pastors and mentors telling me that I should be reading my Bible. And they were right. I should have been reading my Bible. But when I would go to read, I would often feel uncomfortable, awkward, uncertain with how the Bible reading was supposed to look, how it was supposed to feel, how it was supposed to go. I would be asking questions like, well, what should I be reading? How much should I read? What am I supposed to get out of this exactly? In this episode of the How to Read the Bible podcast, I want to give you a few ideas to hopefully make you more comfortable and confident as you approach Bible reading. Hi, and welcome to the How to Read the Bible podcast series, a podcast series designed to help you grow in your knowledge and desire for reading the Bible. So far in this podcast series, we've addressed the questions of how do I read my Bible and what is the Bible? I hope that the ways in which I've answered these questions have been an encouragement to you, that they've been beneficial. I by no means believe that I've answered the questions um, exhaustively. I think that there's so much that you can learn, so much you can discover about um, the answers to these two questions of how do I read the Bible and what is the Bible. But my prayer is that the little bit that I have covered has been helpful. In this podcast episode, I want to begin to answer the question that is at the heart of this podcast series, which is, how do I read my Bible? Over the next several episodes, we will be answering this question in different ways, particularly by introducing different strategies and methods that you can apply to your personal Bible reading. But before we get into those specifics, I want to enhance maybe and maybe even bring new life to what you possibly are already doing in terms of your Bible reading. I want to strengthen what you're currently engaged in in your own Bible reading. Now, I don't doubt that many of you listening already read your Bible on a regular basis. And perhaps a weakness to a podcast series like this is that it's so easy to complicate the beautiful simplicity of just sitting down and reading the Bible. So before we approach the different methods of Bible reading and the different strategies or bring a change to maybe what you're already doing, I want to give you four ideas that I believe will strengthen the way that you approach your Bible reading and begin to answer the question of how do I read my Bible. These four ideas are remember your goal, create a plan, pray, and make it engaging. Again, those four ideas. First, remember your goal. Second, create a plan. Third, pray. And fourth, make it engaging. So let's dive into this. Let's look first at the idea of remembering your goal. Have you ever gotten into your vehicle to go on a trip without knowing your destination? Now, this whole idea of getting in your car and just driving without knowing where you're going, it's not uncommon, it's not unheard of, but I would suggest that it's not the norm. Usually when you get into your vehicle, it's because you have a destination. You have a place that you would like to go. You have a purpose in driving. You have a goal. Perhaps when you get into your vehicle, there are multiple destinations and there are multiple goals that you're hoping to to get to. And this was often the case for me growing up in a family that frequented highways for our vacations and missions trips. The ultimate goal for our family vacations was often a family reunion in the eastern United States. But on the way there, we would enjoy new scenery, new restaurants, and places we hadn't been before. But in all of this, we were guided by achieving the goal 
of reaching our destination. You know, Bible reading isn't all that different. When we sit down to read, we need to have our goal in mind. Now, this ties back to our first two episodes of the podcast series where I talked about a few of the answers to the question of why do I read my Bible? And in each answer to that question, we have different goals in Bible reading. There's the goal of hearing God's voice or gaining God's perspective. There's the goal of cultivating, cultivating fruitfulness in our lives. The goal of experiencing the blessings of God. There's the goal of aligning ourselves with God's word and, and becoming a person who walks in truth. Each of these, these reasons for reading the Bible are ultimately different goals. And they're good goals. Now, did you notice that none of these goals were to be a good Christian or to be because my pastor said so, or to complete my latest reading plan? No. And we've talked about this already, and I wish I could say that I've never read the Bible with the goal of getting through my reading list. Unfortunately, a large part of my story around Bible reading was too often reading simply just to check off for that day that I had read. I just wanted to get through a reading plan. And in these seasons of my life, Bible reading had been reduced to a Christian discipline or the completion of the reading list. These goals were not often ones that I was consciously aware of, but they were indeed goals that I was eager to fulfill. Can you relate to this? Reading simply because you feel you should or reading because you want to be able to say that you've read through the whole Bible in six months or a year or even 90 days. The problem with not remembering the many good goals for reading the Bible is that we miss out on all that Bible reading has to offer us. Let's look again to Matthew 13 to see how this plays out. Now, if you remember from the first episode, Matthew 13 is the parable of the sower and the seeds. And in this parable, Jesus describes four types of people who hear the word of God, but only one of these people actually experience the true benefit of having heard. Let's pick up the passage in verse 23. This is what it says. As for what was sown on good soil... This is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit. Okay, we'll stop there. Now, what is important to note is that all four of the individuals in this parable had heard the word of God. They'd all interacted with it. So we're left with this question of, well, what's unique about the individual who's bearing fruit? What's unique about this person? Now, what we notice in this text is that they not only heard the word, but they understood it. You see that distinction? The other three people we read about in the parable who've heard the word, it doesn't say that they came to understand it. They they simply heard it. Similarly, when we flip into the Old Testament back to Psalm chapter 1, which we've talked about in an earlier episode, we see that the blessed person is described to have experienced the blessing because, and this is in verse 2, on God's law, he meditates day and night. This person who's blessed, they did not only hear the word, but they allowed it to go deep into their hearts so that it produced fruit in their lives. So in both Matthew 13 and Psalm 1, we see this principle playing out that it's not enough for us just to hear. It's not enough for us to simply hear. But it's so easy to simply hear the word. We do this anytime we sit down and read the Bible with the goal of accomplishing our daily reading or simply trying to fulfill an obligation we feel we have to a Christian discipline. But our Bible reading isn't simply about hearing. We need to remember the benefits of reading. We need to remember that we want to be a people who know and live in truth, and we need to keep this in mind as we read. In addition to this, we need to have the goal in Bible reading of meeting with God. 
We believe that the Bible is God's word. So as we read it, we interact with God as he speaks to us by his spirit through his word, through the Bible. Our Bible reading then becomes a practice in which we can interact with God. We can hear his heart. We can see his perspective. When this is the goal in our reading, we can't help but slow down. And sometimes slowing down means we don't accomplish the reading for that day, but that's okay because we're hearing God. And if our desire is to hear God, how can we rush? This goal will shape the way we read as we slow our reading down and listen to hear what God may be saying. Now, just before we move on to the next point, I just want to give us maybe a a bit of a summary of what a goal would be. What is the goal of reading? The goal of Bible reading is meeting with God, hearing his heart, understanding his word, and experiencing life change. We need to keep this in mind as we read. Again, the goal of Bible reading is meeting with God, hearing his heart, understanding his word, and experiencing life change. So it is important to have a goal and to remember your goal as you read. But secondly, we need to create a plan. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, Adam, you've spent a lot of time bashing reading plans. And this is true, I have. But hear me out in the context of our driving analogy. If you have chosen a destination or a goal for your driving, you're going to make sure you're able to achieve it. You would likely consult Google Maps or ask a friend for directions before you even get into the car. So having a good reading plan will help you fulfill your goal, like having a map and trying to get to a destination you've never been to before. And it's overwhelming to sit down in front of such a large book as the Bible. You might sit down in front of the Bible and say, well, where do I even start? But So I believe it's important for us to read all of the Bible, all 66 books, but doing this in a short period of time is not always a good thing. Instead, I would recommend creating a reading list that will allow you to approach Bible reading in such a way that the timeline isn't overwhelming and the reading for each day is manageable. A four-year reading plan may be more helpful in you completing your goal of understanding God's Word than a one-year reading plan would be. And there's endless options and combinations of ways to read through the Bible. I would suggest that you don't feel that you have to start in Genesis and read all the way through to Revelation. Instead, I would encourage you to read manageable portions of both the Old and the New Testament in your daily reading, or alternate between the Old and New each day. Remember that the point is not mass consumption, Rather, it's meeting with God, it's hearing his heart, it's understanding his word and experiencing life change. If fulfilling the plan you create becomes your new goal, go back to step one and remember your goal. And I just want to encourage you at this point, if you're wondering and want help in constructing a reading plan, I encourage you to send me an email, get in touch with me and I can help you uh, develop a reading plan that works for you. So you have your goal, you have your reading plan, you sit down to read, Now what do you do? Well, my third idea for you is to pray. Perhaps you already do this. Something we would do well to remember is that prayer and Bible reading should not be separated. And our prayer before Bible reading is to bring God our goal. The prayer may go something like this. God, I want to meet with you as I read your word this morning. I want to hear your heart. I want to know you more. Help me to understand your word as I read. Lord, it is my desire that that my life be in your will. So I pray that as I read, you would be changing me from the inside out. Amen. 
You know, this simple prayer not only reminds you of your goal, but it turns your heart towards God as you read, as well as recognizes that we need God's help when we read the Bible. It's not easy to understand. Again, it's easy to hear it. It's easy to listen. But at times, we struggle to understand what it means and how it applies to our lives. So we take time in prayer to invite God into that process. Prayer should not only be the starting point of Bible reading, but it should be interwoven into each part of Bible reading. As you read, pray. Maybe you read a verse or a story and it stirs something in your heart. Maybe you see something different than you had before or something so familiar sticks out to you as if you had never heard it before. Take time to stop and to pray. Pray the passage back to God. Ask Him to help you understand it. Perhaps the passage has brought conviction to you. Stop reading and repent for the sin that that you've been reminded of. Maybe the passage overwhelms you with the desire to worship. Again, stop reading. Take the time to worship God, to pray a prayer of praise. Ultimately, good Bible reading will always transition between reading, thinking, and prayer. So you've remembered your goal, you've created a plan, you're praying before you read. Now lastly, do what you can to make your Bible reading engaging. Sitting down to read the Bible can at times be really boring. I've felt this before. I'm sure you have as well. Either it's overly familiar or it's just really difficult to engage. Or maybe you just find it confusing. In any of these cases, it becomes more difficult to complete the goal. So I want to give you a few tips on what I do to make Bible reading more engaging. First, I encourage you to mark up your Bible. You know, this may be difficult to you. Maybe you have a Bible that was passed down from a grandfather or parent to you, or it was a gift or, or whatever the case, and you, you look at it and you don't want to mark it up. It's, it's special to you. It has sentimental value. If that's true, I'd encourage you to go purchase a different Bible that you're comfortable marking up. Marking, marking up the Bible can be really helpful. I found marking up my Bible to be incredibly helpful in making Bible reading more engaging. Grab a highlighter, a pencil, pencil crayons, and a pen, and highlight passages and write in the margins. It's okay to do this. The way I've gone about this is by using four different colored pencil crayons and assigning a meaning to each one. And as I'm reading, I highlight certain passages um, that, that match with the corresponding colors. I use yellow to highlight passages that talk about God's promises or about how God relates to me. So in a passage like Matthew 13, I'd highlight verse 23, As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit. I would highlight that verse in yellow, as it is a pro- it's a promise from Scripture that as I seek to understand God's word, I will understand, I will experience fruitfulness in my life. I use the color green to highlight and mark passages that have convicted me, that point out sin or identify ways to live apart from God. Again, from Matthew 13 in verse 22, we read, As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. That passage I would highlight in green as I find it convicting to me because I often worry about what the world cares about, and I often worry about money. So as I'm reading that, it convicts me. So I mark it green. I use blue to highlight a passage that stands out to me that does not fall under the earlier two mentioned colors. So again, in Matthew 13, I've highlighted 
verse 16, but blessed are your eyes. I've just that little portion, I've highlighted that in blue because I find the contrast that Jesus is making to be incredibly profound. That um, that there's the eyes of those who aren't understanding, but contrasted to the eyes of those who are understanding. So this stands out to me that the ability to understand God's word was in and of itself a blessing. And I thought that was pretty cool. Lastly, I may highlight passages in red if they're communicating an Old Testament idea. Or if I'm reading out of the Old Testament, I'd highlight in red a passage that is communicating an idea from the Torah, which again is the first five books of the Bible. Uh, this is something called cross-referencing. And what's so what's so neat about doing this is that as I'm reading, I might read a phrase or something that reminds me of something else that I've read uh, in the Old Testament. So as I'm reading along, I, I get reminded of that and I take my red pencil crayon, I mark it red, and then I put the reference um, of, the, of the scripture that I feel it corresponds to. And it's just a great way to help you understand the Bible more. And, and it's a great way to see um, with your own eyes ways that you're making connections between the Old and New Testament or just different books in the Bible. So all this to say that by highlighting in your Bible, it will be more engaging. Alongside highlighting, write notes in the margin, thoughts that may have entered uh, your mind as you've read or ideas that you've had while you've read. In doing this, you will ultimately be engaging more. You know, have you ever found, had a teacher who's asked you to show your work? You know, sometimes it's, it's easy to just uh, maybe write an answer. Maybe you can look at the question and, oh yeah, this is the answer. I know the answer. But when a teacher asks you to show your work, it's like, oh man, there's so much more involved. But no matter what, you're, you're going to end up interacting with that question more. You can't help but interact with that question more. So I want to suggest in the same way as you mark up your Bible, in a sense, you're showing your work. You're showing what's going on in your head as you read. And that as you do that, it is more engaging. Another helpful thing that I do while Bible reading is to journal. Maybe you're not a journaler or maybe you're only used to journaling in a certain way. Uh, but engaging in journaling as a part of your Bible reading is very helpful. I found this easy to come easiest to me by journaling my prayers to God. So as I've read, maybe a verse jumps out at me or a teaching or something reminds me of something maybe even going on in my own life. And so I'll write the verse out and I'll write the reference down and then I'll just journal my thoughts about that passage or I'll journal a prayer that might come out of my heart as I've read that passage. So even going back to our, um, our original example from Matthew 13, I might journal back to God, God, I want to be someone who doesn't just hear your word, but someone who understands your word. Will you work in my life so that I understand your word? And so in doing this, again, it's just you find yourself engaging more. You find yourself interacting more with the text. And I really believe that it helps with boredom. It helps get over those humps and it makes your reading come more to life. So maybe you want to give that a try. So there you have it. A few ideas to help you in your day-to-day Bible reading. I hope these simple ideas will strengthen your day-to-day reading. And in, uh, in the next several episodes, we will be adding to these foundational ideas by introducing different Bible reading methods that will help you experience all the blessings of Bible reading. Well, thank you for listening to the How to Read the Bible podcast series. Please subscribe to this channel, share it with a friend, and keep checking back for more episodes. The music for this podcast series is provided by the Hopeful Sun Worship Collective. 
and you're listening to their song, Opening Up. My name again is Adam Beyer, and until next time, take joy in reading your Bible. God bless. I will walk.